You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocal script top so you listen to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I hang out with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I am sending out a whole bunch of positive love and a bunch of creative vibes to all of you out there across the globe. We are all in social isolation. We are all staying safe and separated. And the best thing that we can be doing right now is uh, trying to use this time creatively. So I'm challenging everyone to try to create something, try to go back into something that you have put on the shelf and try to explore that further. Uh, you can send me some messages uh, on all of my social media platforms, on Instagram and on Facebook, and let me know uh, how you are being creative. I'm super stoked to announce that uh, for the next few weeks, I am going to be focusing some attention on a absolutely incredible record label. I have teamed up with the great people from Everlasting Spew Records to shine a little light on some of their artists. I'm calling this series Spotlight on Everlasting Spew Records. So right now, check out Demiurgen's sick track Il Culto Cannibale, which is taken from their album The Oblivious Lure, which came out last summer in 2019. This is a banger of a track. Here it is. Crank it up to 11. we 
Was that good, eh? You like that? I like that very much. Demi Urgen, you got to go check it out. I have put in the description of this podcast uh, the link to their Facebook page as well as their Big Cartel page. We got to support Extreme Music right now, and Demi Urgen is an absolute banger of a band that needs some support and needs more recognition. Huge shout out to Tito from Everlasting Spew Records for hooking this all up. Much love and respect. On today's episode, I am with James Dorton, the vocalist of Black Crown Initiate and Nightfire. Here it is, Vox and Hobbs, episode number 128. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with James McClellan from Black Crown Initiate. I am super stoked to, to be with you. Although we are not together, we are together thanks to the internet. 
with everything that's happening with COVID-19, I've decided to start reaching out to a lot more of my friends to conduct interviews this way instead of face-to-face, which is normally what happens with Vox and Hops. Let's start off an easy question. How are you? How are you handling isolation? Uh, You know, I've been okay. Uh, Luckily for me, I kind of went um, freelance, sort of working from home just before all this went down. So... It's not been a huge problem for me. I definitely get I definitely get a little bit of the uh, the uh, cabin fever, but aside from that, um, I'm not. I'm, I don't have to de- you know deliver pizza and interact with the people that are sick, and I don't. I'm not out of a job, so. I'm I'm doing a okay. I got a gym in my basement, so I'm golden. I see that right behind you right now. You're you're out on your your patio in the back, and you got the 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 workout rings out there too, which is badass. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I got to work on the pull ups, man. It's a hard hard exercise. That's the hardest one for me. That's the hardest one for yeah. me as far as body weight goes. Same. I convinced my wife to let me mount one onto my ceiling in my bedroom. Yep. <laughs> we live in a small condo, so we got to use every inch that we got. And uh, I've been struggling still. I, I, I put it in uh, the work in every week, but it, it's hard. It's a very hard exercise. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, uh, if I don't do it most days of the week, my numbers go down. When did you get the bug for working out? You're, uh, it's something that I've noticed that you're, you're very into. You enjoy being fit. Uh, when did that all start for you? Uh, you know, I feel like I've always been kind of a guy who likes exercising. My dad used to make me run with him when I was in fourth grade and, and younger. And uh, I've always done sports and that kind of thing since I was a kid. I um, it's, it's an evolving thing, for sure. But I think after I had cancer the first time, skin cancer... I really started to take it pretty seriously. So I take care of myself, at least in that degree. (laughs) That must have been intense for such a young guy to go through something like that. It is what it is, man. You know, it's the cards I was dealt. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I definitely don't have a problem with it. It's totally, it's totally okay. A lot of people would have been more cynical. You seem to have handled it well, which is good. Yeah, man, I think it's important to take good life lessons from these things. Um, death comes for us all. So, it's just <laughs> the way, way she fucking goes, bud. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with fellow metal brothers mm-hmm. and sisters and talking about their lives, their music, and, of course, craft beer. What are you drinking over there? James? Well, I didn't have access to much craft beer, so I just I picked up a Guinness Extra Stout. Um, I'm also on a pretty stringent diet with my other band's mate as my coach. And I'm not really supposed to be drinking beer, but I'm breaking the rules. Sorry, Rick. Oh, oh Rick, 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 uh, you can come and... You can, you can come and uh, mess with me, and we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what's going on. <laughs> uh, on my side, I am drinking Devastation from Henderson Brewing Company. This is a beer that they brewed for the Devastation on the Nation tour because we were going to be hosting an after party there in Toronto, which was actually supposed to happen last night, but sadly everything got postponed and canceled, and we're going to do it again uh. next year. So this is a black German lager. Um, 
it's really very chocolatey and smooth. I like it very, very much. Cheers uh, to Jamie Morris, uh, the brewer that helped me set all this up. Cheers, Jamie. Cheers to Jamie, yeah. Cheers to Dan DeFonts, who did a, a pretty awesome job of getting that rescheduled. <laughs> no, yeah, you can't fuck around with that. It was within days, eh? Holy shit. Yeah, huge shout out to Dan DeFonts. Uh, I, I, we're all impressed. Let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, you growing up in your house when you were a child. What was the soundtrack of your youth? What music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? Um, the resounding one is Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young, and bands like that. My dad was definitely kind of a, a rock and roll guy. Um, Johnny Cash, some of like the old OG country stuff. There's some guy mowing back here, I'm sorry. He's not mowing, he's chopping a tree down. Um, so, um, so yeah, man. That's pretty much what we had. But I think the first thing I heard when I was coming home from the hospital as a baby was um, Greetings from Asbury Park by Bruce Springsteen. If I'm not mistaken. Is that a story you've been told or you remember that? That's the story I was told. Yeah, I just couldn't remember exactly how I how it was told to me. <laughs> Not that I was actually trying uh, to recall the actual event or anything. When did you <laughs> when did you get the bug uh, for being a vocalist? How did that all come about? Uh, were you a child that sang? Me growing up, I was always singing. I, were you like that, or did you get into it later in life? It's it's kind of a weird story for me, man. Long story short. I think me becoming an extreme metal vocalist is the subconscious result of me wanting to grow up to be Godzilla. <laughs> you grew up just loving those movies? Or? I loved the fuck out of Godzilla movies. I still love the fuck out of Godzilla, man. I don't know. There's something about those, those, that creature in the depiction of that as being this chaotic god of destruction i don't know i've always i've always been attracted to that thing and it wasn't a problem for me getting into death metal the very first time i heard the vocals immediately sold you know it was it was like oh it's godzilla i could do that i mean i was kind of already already doing it yeah (laughs) let's stop around the house what is your favorite godzilla movie Ooh, that's a tough one i really love godzilla versus biolante i loved Godzilla 1985, like that era for me. Um, was probably my favorite. I like some of the more like kid-oriented ones, but I, I always preferred the, the more serious, dramatic depiction. It was a lot more... It made it more believable. I agree. I, the whole CGI shit drives me crazy. Yeah, I mean, they do, I think that they do a fantastic job with that now. Um... Like the newest Godzilla films, I felt that they did a pretty damn good job. But it's only recently become a be- like CGI for me has only recently become something that's believable. It doesn't just take you out of the experience of the story. I agree. I agree. Technology, man. Yeah. Technology. Heck and hey. You gotta love it. You gotta hate it. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It's a complicated thing. That's for sure. What about? the first show that you went and saw do you remember that it doesn't have to be metal it could be your first time seeing a live music experience well when i was a baby my dad took me to see ray charles ray charles didn't see you 
nor do I remember the experience at all. So maybe it shouldn't count. Um, technically speaking, my first show was a local show. And I'm pretty sure it was in like a Denny's. Really? It was a band. I lived in Oklahoma. My dad was stationed at uh, Tinker Air Force Base just outside Oklahoma City. And I'm pretty sure I was at a Denny's, and it was a band called Santa Surplus. I think, technically speaking, Santa Surplus. And it was, the, it was named after a store, a Christmas store in the mall. And there were this crazy, um, some friends of mine, but genuinely good, kind of insane, sort of noisy grind band. And they just, yeah, they, they, they would like. I, I, I have like very vivid in, images in my mind of them just completely killing it. My first like proper show was Mashuga and Tool. Yeah, I saw that tour. Yeah, um, two thousand two or something like like that. I can't remember, but that was my first proper show. My uh, my friends had already been to see like the Pledge of Allegiance tour of Rammstein and System of Down. And the family values tour with corn and Limp Bizkit, etc. Um, but my parents weren't having it. <laughs> so, um, Being, is it because it was so out there? It was too extreme for them? You know, my parents, they didn't have much of an understanding for it, which I think is, makes sense, you know. Um, they are military. Christian, although not like wholly like just buying into some conservative viewpoint, not wholly that, but at least politically. But they just didn't, you know, this is something altogether new and it's kind of brash, I think. So with heavy metal, I think it's just sort of can be kind of shocking to a parent. I think some of my friends had parents that were just like, oh, whatever, you know, like that's cool, you're in heavy metal, that's fine. But my parents were like, oh my god, this is my, he's going to turn into a bad seed or something like that, you know. There was a lot of like marketing on TV back then, a lot of talk about it in the talk shows and about when like Limp Bizkit was in their heyday and Slipknot and Marilyn Manson being the devil. Mm-hmm. That definitely didn't help. No. It helped make it cool yep. for, for kids wanting to listen to it, but it didn't help parents allowing their children to go to these experiences no way no I, you know and i i don't <laughs> i think i feel like kids have this kind of like um you know my parents sucked they were all strict but like if you think about it if you bring something into this world and you want it to turn out okay and you see something that's kind of dark and sort of shocking that you have no experience with what are you going to do, you know? I mean, so it, it obviously depends on your past experience. But for me, I just, I don't hold that against them whatsoever. They were just trying to do their best. <laughs> you know? Which is which is all you can do when you have kids. Mama tried, just, so they yeah. say. <laughs> which is all you can do. Yeah. What about your first time on stage? Do you remember your first show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that oh, story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um... It is this. Uh, so a buddy of mine named, named Kino, who currently has a band called Discordia. D-I-S-C-H-O-R-D-I-A. 
and their last album is absolutely terrifying and you should listen to it um we started a band in high school called scarred horizon and we were doing ice earth covers and metallica covers and we did a dimmu borgir cover and an opeth cover but we also had i can't remember how long the album was with this incredibly long progressive death metal album that we recorded locally and when we put on a show it was at this old I'm, I'm ti- I lived in a tiny town called Hera, Oklahoma this was a small extremely rural Oklahoma town like very small I wish I knew the population offhand I don't but I had cows in my backyard and there was this one small main street and there was a very very old theater there so we booked a show with this theater and we were like the first band of this type and they you know the theater put flyers all over the town and there was like no standing room it was seating only wow so it was like an opera house type yeah, yeah. thing and we dolled up in corpse paint and I was playing bass and singing <laughs> trying to the first time we ever played a show and everybody was seated all the parents you know and there was a fog machine and that was my first performance ever man it's 2002 2001 it was like the same time I saw same year I saw Mashuga wow were your parents there they actually were yeah yeah did you win them over a little bit no 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 they're like, you know, they're like you're, you're, you're gonna go to school <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get a degree you're not doing this yeah i mean you know i, I agreed that i should do that and i did so I, I got i got i stopped playing music for while i went to college and as soon as i got out of college i got a job and i got a band and i did both good for you yep you gotta be smart out there kids yep trying to yeah. trying to play it safe you always need a, a a safety net in case you fall. It's uh, it's it's strategy, man. I think I'm a I'm a man who likes to risk. I take big risks, but what the hell, you know? Might as well prepare a little bit. How did that show go, though? Uh, well, ab- about how you might expect. Um, we had a girl in the band. We did, and she was an amazing guitar player and an amazing vocalist. And bless her heart, as I remember it, right before we went on, we had that show, she got so nervous, she decided not to sing. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I, that was kind of where I stepped from just like playing bass guitar and doing like some vocals to becoming primarily a vocalist because we decided that she, you know, she decided she didn't want to do that. It was too much, too much for her to handle. You know, we were young kids and it was the i think the anxiety killed her so i just kind of stepped into that role and i've been doing it ever since pretty much do, do you ever get nervous do you do you feel nervous before performances is that something that's ever happened to you you've just always been ready to be on stage literally never i've seen you perform twice and you seem just so comfortable on stage thanks man thanks i um i think i used to have like a big problem with just kind of getting in my own head and losing focus because mm-hmm. um, I am like the rest of my family I'm a little bit attention deficit but uh, 
as so many people are nowadays. Um, but through some constructive criticism and constant scrutiny of myself, I sort of mostly, mostly have overcome that type of thing. I want to touch on uh, this new record, the new Black Crown Initiate record. Absolutely. Andy uh, Thomas, uh, your guitarist and the angelic voice of the band. The cherubic tenor. Very nicely, <laughs> very nicely sent me the whole album for me to peruse and enjoy, and I love it, dude. Sick. I messaged each of you, and I said, you guys got an album of the year contender? It's going to be on many lists. I really think so, and honestly... As I mentioned to both of you, too, I feel like the balance between your heavy voice and the heavy parts of the band and Andy's beautiful melodic parts are just so much better put together on this album than previous records. It flows seamlessly. And uh, how did you guys go about constructing this new record? Well, for my part, it's sort of it's 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 hugely an emotional thing. Um, there, there was like a rumor kicking around at one point that Black Crown, because our first tour was with Behemoth, and we had only played one show, um, that we were buying on to tours and that kind of thing. Which is not a rare thing for bands to do, for people listening. No, it, it, it's it's not like an outlandish assumption. I get, I, I get it because it's a little weird to see a band do a big tour right off the bat unless there's some kind of hookup involved. Mm-hmm. So, valid. Um, but in reality, you know, we were all just kind of working stiffs, you know, none of us had a ton of money. Um, I, had, I had like a pretty decent job, but I, I had a lot of... I, was I was self-made. I was working at a bank, um, and I had an apartment like I worked at a bank. And when I, I had to quit that job to do Black Crown, so I still had all the expenses of a man who had a decent job doing fraud stuff at a bank. So basically, what happened was after a period of time you would just start falling behind on your bills. But so be it, because we had to do this. There's always been kind of a dire connection between myself, between the other guys, uh, Andy and I specifically, to this band that we've we've sort of sacrificed ourselves a little bit. The uh, experiences I had with cancer happened so young because I was under such financial stress that it obstructed things like my sleep and between the stress and this severe years of sleep deprivation because we were touring non-stop and I was sleep we were roughing it really bad so four hours sleep a night for months you know um, suppressed my immune system and cancer cells ran rampant in my body I've had it like seven times so Jesus Christ yeah I, I've risked my li- I've risked my life to make this band happen as have the other guys so for us like the music has a very it's it's sort of our like our holy mission I guess you could say uh, for lack of a better word we, we've we've heaped that kind of significance on it 
so that we we sort of sacrifice a piece of ourselves but get a lot in return um so I feel like that was the tone for stepping into writing the record um we also have Ethan McKenna and Nick Shaw and Andy Thomas writing the music and they're just they're they're naturally gifted guys so and Andy writes like all the lyrics Nine, like 99% of the lyrics are written by him 99.9 um I've written a few things but mostly my contribution has been the performance element such as it is <laughs> um so in setting out to write it I feel like all of that plus almost kind of breaking up as a band between 2016 and 2018 um and then mustering it back together somehow. That's the context for stepping into writing the stuff. I was definitely going to touch on that. The the dark period for Black Crown Initiate. Andy went through a little bit of a dark spiral. Uh, you lost your drummer to a much bigger... No, I don't want to say that. You lost your drummer to a, to a bigger band. Oh, yeah. I mean, they are much bigger. <laughs> yeah, big time. I didn't want to, like, stab you guys down there, but... <laughs> No, no, dude. Yeah, they're they are they're huge. He um he actually quit for a, a while before he joined that band. He uh, everything was too much for everyone at that point. Where we had a couple guys step away because we were touring so much that it was ended up becoming kind of like a traumatizing thing for all of us, for everyone. You were touring so much, and on top of that, we, it was just killing us. The the money was killing us. For sure. Because we all pay all of our own bills, you know. And then the band has bills on top of it, you know? Yeah. You know, so, like, the whole thing was just kind of difficult, and we just reached a saturation point, I think. So Jesse just had to be done, you know? Not just not just with us, but with music in, in general, at least so far as I understand him. And then if I art, I think, makes sense for him to do. He had filled with, in with them before. And I think he's just, he's just a very perfect fit for Die Art. Um, and I'm, I'm stoked for him. I think they're extremely heavy. <laughs> Dude, CJ is such a, just, it's influential to me. I, I, I aspire to sound that pissed. <laughs> it's true. Hey, he's got, he's got, that's, that's the perfect word. His deliveries are just, not only technically flawless, but have so much emotion through them. How do you approach in the studio? Uh, when I interviewed uh, Alexander Kendrick, he I asked him who are some of the best vocalists he's ever toured with, and you were the first name that came out of his mouth. So that's amazing. How do you how do you approach being a healthy? Keep your voice healthy, and you give vocal lessons. You're a very very busy vocalist in the metal scene so how, how do you approach your vocal technique for me it's all about breath it's been a few years that I, i've just that's all i keep thinking is it's all about breath what's the term bagpipes you fill yourself full of air and you squeeze it out with control mm -hmm. you know um so for me it's a combination of that just hours and hours and hours of practicing so i, I just rehearse in my apartment i do it most days of the week 
And if, if I have to, I have to, or I, if I'm, I'm definitely like the use it or lose it type. If that's the thing, I have. If I don't use it, then I, I just sound like I've never done it before in my life. <laughs> I say the same thing all the time on this podcast. Yeah, if I don't do it for a little while, I go back. I'm like, oh my god, here we go again. Oh yeah. And then like it will take a two, three songs, and I'm like, oh that way. Now I remember how I scream. Absolutely. Before this, before we made this record, I was rehearsing most every day, most every day, uh, for two months in advance. And so that way, when I got to the studio and I pushed it all the way up to 11, I was able to get pretty, pretty far. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with the result. Oh, it sounds great. Yeah, the, the, the vocal performances on the new record are fantastic. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I tried. <laughs> I, tr- I tried. I <laughs> tried. I tried. Who do you think are some other beasts out there right now vocally that don't get enough love? Beside yourself. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. But uh. yeah, oh, not at all. Not at all. Um, who don't? Who, wait. So you said who don't get enough love? I feel like largely I've sort of been tuned out to other people. I listen to a lot of music nowadays, but most of what I do is very inward. Um, it, it, I do a lot of conceiving for how I want to sound and then I gun for it and usually it's a little bit different because you know that's just the way it goes but that's that's how I've developed my voice and it's like I, I don't analyze other vocalists as much as I used to but I think when we, when we get to a certain stage of our vocal performance ability you just have to grasp yourself so you're not you can be inspired by people and like try to you don't want to mimic people anymore. You want to sort of just say, oh, that's a cool idea. I wonder how that would sound coming out of me. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think when I was young and I was trying to mimic other people, that really gave me a lot of tools in my belt to work with when it came to developing my own sound. So I loved Travis Ryan. I loved Helmuth from Belfagor. That's a pretty good example. Yeah. Shout out to Helmuth. That 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 dude on he got really sick at one point and then I think it sort of might have diminished him just a bit. He almost died in South America. Yeah, he he yeah he got he got uh, what, what what disease did he get? He drank some water out of a sink. Yeah, they always tell us not to do that, and Helmuth is the proof not to do that. Yeah, I mean, water like that is not potable anywhere out of a sink. But that guy is a barbarian. I've hung out with him. I've toured with him. He he, he is what he is. <laughs> I kind of, I, I got to be honest. I kinda Same. Like there's him. not enough. There's not enough artists like that anymore. No, no. He's just very little. Um, but like, I felt like his, his, like his vocal performances on Bondage Goat Zombie and the surrounding records were just... Uh, they are still unlike anything I've ever heard. I think that guy does. He sounds not like a human, and that's that's always been a goal of mine. Exactly is to try to not just sound like a human screaming, but to try to sound more elemental somehow. Um, Back to Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, he he just sounds like something else. I, I don't. It's he, he's a pretty good example. I really love Peter Tegtrin. From Hypocrisy slash Pain, mm-hmm. who's in Bloodbath. I love Mikhail Ackerfeld. 
His, I think some of my favorite Mikhail Ackerfeld performances were on the Bloodbath records he was on. Same. Just big, powerful lion vocals. Um, I think Glenn Benton from Deicide is like a really insane vocalist. He's just, he gets better with age. And that is not common. I agree. He, he, uh, we, we toured with them too, and he was a big, crazy, burly lion vocal. It came to him rather naturally. And I also really love Jens Kidman and his very Tai Chi approach to doing vocals. The guy just like wields this energy ball that is his vocals. And that's, that's kind of what I sort of aspire to do, if that makes any sense. Well, it's just pure control. The two times I've seen you, it's, it's pure control. It's pure. It's all air. It's all diaphragm control. It's always impressive. Let's talk about you. You do uh, vocal lessons. Yeah, absolutely. Let's t- let's touch on that. Let's finish on a few fun subjects. We've touched the dark stuff. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Let's talk about how did you start giving vocal lessons? Uh, when is this something that you you realize that you could do? Well, I at some point I realized I sort of had a unique experience with with the voice and its various uses, and I've got a very I have a very broad application to my voice. Um, I have, I, I've done some various voiceover projects. I'm going to be, in, I'm actually in the new Doom Eternal game. Yes. I wanted to talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so I've, I've, I've been pursuing voiceover a long time. I, I did, I did classes on how to talk. Um, I've done choir in college and when I was really young. So I've just got, I've, I've got like kind of this wide breadth of experience and it's, it's just another way for me to keep working for myself. Which is beautiful. <laughs> we need to do it in this industry. We have to hustle, have side hustles. If not, you're going to drown. Diversify. Well, so, so who comes to you? What, or who is your typical student? Lately? Um, I've had a lot of people abroad actually. Um, I just had, I just taught a student in Spain I just taught a, tu- a student in the UK who was originally from Hungary. Uh, I have another student in Belgium. So, and they're all aspiring metal vocalists, or they're already in established bands, and they just want to perfect themselves. We, I've had varying, varying degrees. Um, one fella has zero experience with doing vocals whatsoever, um, especially harsh stuff. One girl was classically trained, but she's never done harsh stuff before. Um, what else? And then, the, the, yeah, there's a girl that I know who's actually quite a natural, who is in a band, um, but does other stuff and is in between bands and is try is learning to up her game a little. That's cool. So it, it's it's across the spectrum of, of of individuals for sure. How do people reach out to you to book these? Generally, it's either via my email, which is SeamusMcDorton at gmail.com, S-C-A-M-U-S-M-C-D-O-R-T-O-N at gmail.com, or through Instagram. It's fine. Facebook as well. I was jealous that you were one of those singers got, that got picked up for the Doom <laughs> Metal Choir. I, did, I didn't send in any, any, 
any videos, but I was still jealous. I saw a few of my friends there. Ah, oh, dude. Sven from Aborted was there. Yes, he was. How did this go down? What was that experience like? It was sick, man. It was very intense. We met up. It was during South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, the festival. And we met up at this convention center. And we had this big room set up. And Nick Gordon, who's the, the brain genius behind all this, has all these different like red candles set up everywhere. He's got a chalkboard with a demon language that he's written. <laughs> and he coaches us on what to say, when to say it, how to say it, and at what cadence. And we did this for like eight hours. So we screamed, wow. we screamed for eight hours. Could everyone keep up with that pace? Or did some people have to fall out? Everyone kept up. Good for them. Yeah. Everyone kept up. Yeah. It was valiant. Valiant. Oh, I love that. I love that shit. We, um, the next day I had the deepest voice on planet Earth. <laughs> you already have a pretty deep voice, so, but I understand exactly what you mean. The deepest voice on the planet of Earth. <laughs> Dude, it was... There's times that I, I, I do I do band practice, I come home and I cut intros for Vox and Hops, yep. and I listen to it afterwards, and I'm like, wow, my voice is so deep. You're like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's all gravelly. It's all gravelly from all that. Dude. Exactly. Yeah, dude. Something else. It was a, it was a union job, which is pretty cool. So now I'm union eligible. That's cool. For as an actor or voice actor or whatever. Um. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And then we we partied afterwards, which is the way to do it. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, have you have you heard the final products of everything? Have you played the game? I know it's out at this point. I don't have the game. I don't have the right system for it. But, um, yeah, some some of that stuff is starting to pop up on YouTube. People are uploading their own versions of the soundtrack. You you are a very regimented person, so I'm not sure what your answer is going to be, but what is your hangover cure? Hangover cure is to drink a lot of water while you're drinking alcohol so that you prevent the hangover. Uh, order an electrolyte supplement. Drop it into the water that you're drinking. Or get like Pedialyte or something like that. And alcohol molecules bind to fats. So that's why you want crappy, you know, quote unquote, crappy food when you're hungover. So eat something fatty if you're still hungover the next day. So, but you just have to, you got to push it out of your system. Gotta piss it out. So I just drink, 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 drink. Water, 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 water. As James. much as possible. <laughs> James, that's amazing. Thank you so, so much for taking the time sitting down with me. When is this new Black Crown Initiate coming out so that everyone can enjoy it as much as I enjoy it? My pleasure, first of all. Second of all, it is scheduled to come out August 7th. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, there is a possibility that it will be delayed. Oh, shit. Hopefully that's, hopefully that's not the case. Um... But the music industry has kind of ground to a halt, as you well know, uh, because of because of all this. So right now they don't know how long all the limitations surrounding the virus are going to happen. There's speculation that it could be quite a long time. Yeah, and it will probably delay the release of bands, albums in general, because they won't be able to tour and promote them to per, to promote the release of the record. So hopefully not. 
hopefully everything goes back to normal. Um, I'm sure people are going to be itching to go to concerts as soon as this is done. Itching and afraid to catch COVID, which I think I had. I think I had. I think I had the virus. Really? Last in uh, February. Yeah, I was on. T- <laughs> I was on tour. <laughs> I have another band, which we are. I'm also working on new music with called Replicire. Um, so look out for that later this year. And I was on tour with them, and I got it right off the bat. I got a whole bunch of the other guys sick, and I had really strange symptoms that weren't normal flu symptoms, but I just assumed it was flu. And I got the drummer sick, and the drummer went and got a test done and did not test positive for the flu. Wow. Which they they do have false negatives, but I had been in two airports that day, and the day before, Boston had their own first case of coronavirus. So, you know, a lot more people had it than that, and it's very infectious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's crazy. And you just got out of got over it yourself. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> if 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 it, if indeed that's what it was, it was awful, and I was playing shows with it, which is not not good. Which is not good. There's nothing worse than performing while being under the weather. I just wonder how many people I got sick. <laughs> and if I if I got just sick, I'm real sorry. Come still see my band in the future. It was all for the but money. I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I kind of generally tried to stay away from everyone as much as possible, and I was wiping stuff down. But it wasn't the standard of wiping stuff down that we're doing now. So, so my bad, guys. I didn't know. Well, I hope that record comes out. And if it doesn't, uh, it will, and everyone's going to enjoy it as much as I'm enjoying it. I'm going to go listen to it right after this, I think. <laughs> every, every time it, I told you and I told Andy, like every time it finishes, I was like, oh, it's over. And I go and just <laughs> start it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad it's having that effect, man. We're pretty confident about this record. I think it'll turn ahead or two. Um, make sure you check out our new single, Invitation, if you haven't. And... Uh, Hopefully we'll still get to put that that out on time. There's a song we wrote that's ten years old on it. No way. We wrote it ten years ago, the very last song really? on that record. Yes, sir. That's we crazy. Wrote it, we wrote it the very first time we ever got together trying really? to form a different band. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta give a little shout out to the Vox and Ops alumni, Gabe Sieber. Gabe Sieber. The drums on this bitch. Such a good drummer. Uh, I love him dearly. He cruised, he cruised through that. Like a drive-through, it was sick. Well, he's he's a professional. He is. He's a pro. Admiration. Yeah, there's a few of them out there, and uh, Gabe is one of those for sure. So much love and respect to Gabe Sieber right there. Heck yeah! Thanks, Gabe. James, thank you so much coming, drinking a craft beer with me, and again, it's on your side. Heck yeah, man! Cheers, brother. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I had such a good chat with James. It is just so much fun to connect with people, even if it's not face-to-face. When we are in social isolation, it is nice to see a familiar face, to share a brew with them. It is always a pleasure. And as I mentioned during the interview, this new Black Crown Initiate album called Violent Portraits of Doomed Escape is absolutely amazing. I can't wait for the rest of the globe to hear this. It is absolutely incredible. And you guys should all be stoked and check out uh, the invitation, that single that they just dropped a few weeks ago. It's, it's fucking amazing. Tomorrow on April 14th 
at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am doing the very first live full band interview with my brothers from Ingested. It is 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which falls into 7 p.m. London, England time. This is going to be available for live stream on the Fox and Hops Facebook page. Come, hang out, shoot me some questions live. In case you were not aware, I have interviewed all of the members of Ingested, and this was the best way to up the ante and to take this to the next level, to do a full band interview with a live stream on Facebook. Super stoked about this. Can't wait to do this. Once again, that is happening tomorrow, the 14th of April at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Can't wait to do this. Huge shout out to the boys from Ingested for agreeing to be a part of this. I hope you guys have a good rest of the week. I got two more episodes coming at you this week. I got one on Wednesday and one on Friday. But until then, I hope that you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsets. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.